Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider, the podcast series from Barclays that explores the biggest issues facing the mortgage broking industry. I'm Tony Rimmer, a business development manager for Barclays in the Northwest. And I'm Claire McPhail, a business development manager in the Southeast. Welcome back, Tony. How are you feeling? Do you know, Claire? Thank you for asking. I'm feeling much better having had my tonsils out. Not uh, the most pleasurable experience that, that I've had, but really great to be back. This week, we're looking at diversity in mortgage broking. How diverse is the industry and how can inclusiveness be encouraged? We approach some of the industry bodies to hear their thoughts on the matter. Robert Sinclair, chairman of AMI, told us the association will begin a major study next year. This will look at the shape and makeup of mortgage advisors in the intermediary community to ensure that all parts of the community are represented. Barat Sagar, who chairs the Diversity and Inclusivity Finance Forum, said there's an underrepresentation of minority groups across the industry and a massive underrepresentation of minority groups at the leadership level. That represents huge opportunities, he added. We spoke to Sydney Wager, the head of Intermediary Market Development for Barclays, and to Sophie Lowndes Tool, a self-employed mortgage and protection advisor. Hi, Sophie and Sydney. Thanks for joining us today. You're more than welcome. Lovely to be here. More than welcome, yes. Pleasure being here. So I think if we start this off with really a snapshot of how diverse the mortgage broking industry is. And Sophie, from your perspective, I know that you've worked for a big company in the past and and now you've working on a self-employed basis. But for you, how has it seemed out there in the mortgage broking industry? Honestly, I think I was incredibly lucky. The firm that I worked for in London when I first moved here, they have diversity and inclusion at a very high point in their agenda. And they allowed me to do work that I was passionate about and make sure that we were moving forward in that aspect. Um, And I know that there are some employers out there who wouldn't offer you that opportunity. Um, What I can say is that from a broader perspective, you know, when I went to industry events and things like that, um, I didn't perhaps see the diversity that I saw within my own workplace. And for you, what did the company sort of seem to be encouraging you to be able to do to to bring that to that awareness to maybe the other people within your teams? Um, well, I was the co-chair of a group-wide LGBT network and I got to liaise with lots of outside parties. I got to put on events for my colleagues and the rest of the people within within the group. And I met some you know incredibly influential people on the way um, through that journey, who also opened my eyes to, you know, lots of different things. So, Claire, just to echo some of Sophie's thoughts there, I think the industry events perspective is is an interesting one, because I think that that will give you some, some semblance of understanding in terms of diversity. But I think it's really interesting that in more recent times, I think this has become much more of a subject of conversation. I know having spoken to many people, there are quite a few initiatives at a at a broad industry level that people are looking to initiate because actually they see the opportunity that it provides. So I guess it's less about where we are, but increasingly more about where it's heading to. Yeah, certainly. Um, I would echo what you're both saying, having been to many external events, and, and I completely agree with your perspective on that. 
uh, I think just just linking in from that then, Sydney, looking at my own role as a BDM, working in the Northwest with different size companies from the smaller one-man band, you know, the smaller companies up to the larger businesses. I think for, for me and, you know, what I see is, is looking at that diversity side. Why is that important? And what would the benefits be to some of my brokers that are perhaps listening to to what we're talking about today? Tony, great question. And, and I think diversity covers a gambit of genres, right? It could be ethnicity, multiculturalism, multi-faith, um, gender, sexuality, disability. It covers a wide gambit, right? So I think that's the first thing to, to understand. And I think that especially post-lockdown, during lockdown and out of lockdown again, we've just seen an absolute global move towards fairness, parity, treating individuals with the, with the right degree of respect, etc. I just think there's been an overarching change in just the way everybody respects and understands each other for one. But I think if I were to put my cold, hard business head on, there's substantial research to show that diversity brings advantages to an organisation, especially around things like increased profitability, creativity, stronger governance, better problem solving, because employees with a diverse background bring more of themselves and bring their own perspective, their ideas and their experience, which often helps create organisations. It makes them more resilient, it makes them more effective, and they tend to outperform organisations and companies that don't. So I know that there are two studies. The Boston Consulting Group found that cost, uh, companies with more diverse management teams have 19% higher revenue due to that innovation. And that's because the diversity brings diversity of thought. But if you consistently recruit in your own image and you're looking to problem solve, what you effectively deliver will be somebody that will think like you. So if you're really, and this is back to this COVID time, if you're looking for people to find an alternative or a different way of problem solving, if everybody is like you and thinks like you, the outputs will be exactly the same. And I know that McKinsey's as well, in their recent delivering through diversity report, found that corporations and businesses that embrace, for example, gender diversity on their exec teams were, were more competitive and 21% uh, more likely to experience above average profitability. That's the kind of stuff that excites CEOs, it excites MDs, because it's about the numbers. But there clearly is a, equally a very strong moral reason as to why you would wish to treat people fairly. And I suppose, and Sophie, certainly in your career, have you seen your experience of diversity inclusion change as well? Have you seen that it, again, people are opening up their minds a little bit and embrace it? Maybe the knowledge is, is better than certainly it was historically. Well, I think Sydney made a point about people's attitudes towards treating each other better, fairness. But also, I think there's an attitude of people who are perhaps in these minority groups who don't want to deal with you if you aren't diverse. I think that there is an element of you will essentially get phased out of functioning in the marketplace if you don't embrace it. But as an advisor, I give better advice to my customers if I understand them. And the best way for me to understand them is for me to be around different people who think differently, who've experienced different things. 
And and I suppose for, for both Sydney and you, Sophie, if you are somebody who's out there at the moment who maybe does... It isn't part of somewhere like Alexandra Hall, which was a big company that was very engaged with with the diversity um, element because they had the resource to be able to make sure that that was on the agenda as well. But you mentioned about having external forums, both Sydney and Sophie. How would people get involved with something like that to help build their own knowledge and be able to bring that back into their workforce? So I'll, I'll start that then, Claire. So, so I, th- I think that's a great question because I think they are absolutely the sort of challenges that the industry needs to look at and address. So I think a lot of those conversations are happening because actually, if you don't know, how do you get to know? But I think the first thing that needs to happen, which is already happening, is you need to be curious. Because once you're curious, you're going to seek education. So there are lots of external bodies that can do that. But I think the industry is beginning to corral around itself to say, how do we provide this framework? Because to a point Sophie made, the reality is that, and this is what I was saying about the change in mindset, right? In the same way that you look at green now, and many companies will tender based on uh, the green strategy or inclusive of the green strategy of those that they're looking to tender from. This will be the same with diversity, which is why you have all sorts of acts. You've got the race at work charter, you've got ethnicity pay gaps, gender pay gaps. All of that is driving everybody to think about, are we, serve, are we representative of the communities within which we serve? And when you ask yourself that question, you then start, that's what, that will prompt the curiosity, let alone having a robust business case as to why diversity and inclusion is the right thing to do. Yeah, which I suppose links back to the the impact of Black Lives Matter, which of course has led to this step change in attitudes, which as you mentioned, Sydney has very much been alongside of all this COVID world and therefore we've had a lot of information that we've been able to upskill ourselves and update ourselves and build our knowledge of do you see that that's um, very much just the beginning of this journey i absolutely do claire i think that whilst the unfortunate episodes um globally probably provided a bit of a catalyst i think or, or a bit of a burning platform yes they provided the catalyst for i think um companies generally and organizations and in fact global entities countries everybody taking a really introspective look at themselves saying are there things that we're doing that we could do differently are we doing everything we can possibly do to ensure parity to ensure um, diversity and inclusion is the way we do business around here are there any practices that we currently have which may may by default actually actually be quite discriminatory is their language is that you know it's so everybody what it's done is it's forced every you can't you can't turn anywhere without without people actually actively rethinking everything they do how can that be a bad thing but what it also isn't what it also isn't is an overnight switch that fixes all Thanks, Sydney. And Sophie, from your perspective, sort of anything that you were wanting to add to what Sydney said? Well, I mean, he made a lot of great points. And I think that the one that stands out for me and from what I have seen throughout this year is that what it has done is woken up a lot of people to the fact that they, although, you know, they don't feel like they're doing anything wrong, they're not doing everything they can do. 
And so there's always space for education. You're never going to have everything right. And when what people have started to do now from what I've seen is they've begun to accept in themselves that there are gaps and they've gone out and they are trying to learn more about it. And so, you know, with your question, Claire, about the charters, for instance, you know, when you've got that information, it's about making sure people know where it is because they've started looking for it because of all of the change that's happened this year. They know that things can be done better and they want to find out how they do things better. And so it's great that we've got all of this in place um, and that it's moving forward because there are so many areas and you know, there are lots of people who would say that this industry is, I suppose, slightly antiquated in the way that, certainly the way that it's seen from the outside. Um, and there's so much going on to try and make sure that it's a better place for people to be in the future. And I think that that's largely what a lot of the things that have happened this year are about. I think it's really interesting what, what you say, Sophie. And um, one of the things I was going to try and pick up on which you talk about and I felt this that people are more interested and people are talking about it more do you think though that there may be some nervousness around around this though perhaps some of the language that people can and can't use the way that people can and can't approach this and almost a a feeling sometimes of I don't want to say the right or you know the wrong thing does that make sense well I, I'm a firm believer that you can never have too much knowledge but also, I am a very nervous person. When I start to do anything that I've not done before or that I don't know all that well, I'm always scared to put my hand up and ask the question. And because this is a complex topic that has a lot of impacts on so many different levels, you're going to be afraid. But the people that you're asking those questions to, you're trying to learn so that you can be better. Because realistically, if your intention is good, then even if you do say the wrong thing, they're going to forgive you for that because you're trying to get better. Yeah. I 100% would agree with that. I think that this is, uh, this is ground that is going to be virgin territory for a lot of people, right? So that's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know, I want to say that's okay because I would rather have a conversation with somebody that's willing to learn, wanting to learn and seeking to understand. Because I think it's really interesting. I often talk about allyship because we hear a lot about allyship. And allyship for me is an active verb. It's something you actually need to do. So being a passive ally is no use. You need to, you need to do. And you can only do once you've sought to understand. And I think the challenge with that is that too many people think, well, I could get it wrong. Do you know what? That's kind of OK, because you want to understand because you're coming at it from a good place and from the right place. And I think that there are lots of organisations that are doing stuff, especially internally, to help with that. So you'll see um, there's been a real increase in things like reverse mentoring, which actually gives people an opportunity to almost understand how, what it feels like to walk in the feet of others. But if you think about this reciprocal, reverse, whatever mentoring you want to call it, this is about others seeking to understand 
something or someone that they don't. So actually they're able to get them themselves into a position where they're more confident. One about language, Tony, for example, understanding and embracing that diversity without fear. And that's all diversities. It could be anything. It, it, I see it in, in every genre. So it's not exclusive to anyone because I think we will all have our own perception or understanding or something which can only be changed if you're working alongside and see that firsthand. So you're actually assimilating it in a way that you understand and see. And for me, that, that stuff's priceless. And if you mm. make mistakes along the way, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's part, okay. part of that learning journey, part of that change journey, yeah. I guess, isn't it? With, with and, that. And, and to the point that you asked uh, slightly earlier on, I know that you, um, Sophie alluded to it, there are lots of charters out there now, lots of government government initiatives that are helping people understand this. So, and I think there are lots of government initiatives that are lifting the lid on it, that's forcing everybody to take a really good hard look at themselves. So the Race at Work Charter, for example, if you, if you look at that, it really has five calls to action, which are about appointing an exec sponsor, capturing ethnicity data, data and publicising progress, um, committing at board level to zero tolerance of harassment and bullying, and making clear that supporting equality in the workplace is a responsibility of all leaders and managers, and taking action that supports ethnic minority career progression. Now, actually, you could lift and drop that into any genre. Just think about what it's saying, you know? So... If you've got that and you've got companies signing up to that, that's where the education starts because the education starts from saying, so what does it look like in my company in the first place? Where, how am I going to shift that dial? Where do I want it to get to? And what actions do I need to take? Yeah, it's, and I think that's a, a very valid point that you make, isn't it? What what do I want my company to look like? Because you, you can have different charters. You, you, you know, you mentioned a few there, didn't you, in, in the, you know, the work that people are trying to undertake. However, again... You know, you don't know what you don't know. If these charters are there, if, you, if you're not aware of them, then, you, you know, I guess you've got to start to be curious again, haven't you, in, 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 in what it is. And how can people utilise them then, Sydney, more, do you think? Because, you know, there's a, sounds like there's a lot of work being done. And, and again, bear in mind, we work for Barclays, a big corporate entity. But if you were in, in, in a, you know, a smaller broker firm, uh, smaller broker company. I know Sophie. You know, you've you've talked about your transition, haven't you, between from one to another. You know, how how can we really start to bring that alive in some of you know some of my smaller broker companies that that, that I would work with? So, so for me, Tony, these are the conversations that are being currently had, and this is where the thinking is, because. I think there are, for, for some companies of a particular size, they're going to have almost access to this information firsthand, whereas others may not. So, so for me, it and this is for me personally, it feels as though there is a real industry-level opportunity to almost create to create a platform or create an education, an, an educational platform of some description that really talks to this stuff. So, and I think that's where a combination of some of the governing bodies, etc., coming together at an industry level saying, how would we solve for this within the industry? But I think they're ongoing conversations. But the individuals that you refer to can still access this, but it does start, I suspect, with understanding and being curious once again, if you see what I mean. That, that's for me where it all starts. And, and your thoughts on that, Sophie? 
Um, I mean, for me, from a really basic perspective, you've just got to talk about it because they're topics that are really difficult to talk about, but it's so important that you do. I am a naturally curious person. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for information, but not everybody is like that. And sometimes you just have to sit down and talk to them about these things so that they incite curiosity in them. I mean, if you've got a breakerage with three people in it, who none of them are members of Amy and only one of them subscribes to Mortgage Strategy, they might not have that. They've got the access because you can find it, but they don't have the information coming to them that makes them then like light bulb moment. I'm going to start looking into this. I'm going to think about it. So unless there's somebody there who's actively talking to them about it, making them aware. I mean, it's one of the great things that Alexander Hall do. They've got networks in place for for diversity and inclusion, um, and they talk about it on a, on a regular basis. Um, it's never something that you're unaware of, um, but it's not something that once you make people comfortable with having the conversation, because they know that, you're happy to have the conversation. It takes away a lot of the fear and it takes away the people who are maybe inherently curious, who are then saying, but I don't know how to do this because they've got somebody. It's almost like allyship, but the other way around. For me, allyship is every single person who, whether or not you're supporting somebody else to understand more or whether or not they're supporting you to you know, make progress, whichever way it is, it's got to work both ways. Yeah. Thank you, both of you, for your time. Yeah, that's really helpful. Cheers, all. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you. Bye. That was Sydney Wager and Sophie Lowndes-Tool, and that was the seventh episode of Mortgage Insider from Barclays. The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not reflect the views of Barclays. If you have any questions that you would like us to ask the experts, then please email us at mortgageinsider at acast.com. And please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm Tony Rimmer. And I'm Claire McPhail. Thanks for listening.